The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, August 20th, 2023, on the basis of Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. So if someone wanted to know how a grocery store operates, how they keep good food stocked on the shelves at a reasonable price, how they staff it with pleasant and helpful employees, maybe they'd want to go hang out at Miller's for a little bit. Or if someone wanted to know how local government works, if they wanted to know how different departments like public works and utilities and parks all work together to provide a community that everybody enjoys living in. Maybe they'd want to go hang out at the village administration office for a little while. If someone wanted to know how a football team works, if they wanted to know what drills to run and what strategies and techniques to teach, maybe they'd go hang out at the high school football field this week while practice is in session. So if someone wanted to know how Christians are supposed to be, if someone wanted to know how a church carries out the work that Jesus has given it to do, do you think that it would be a good idea for them to come and hang out for a while here at Good News? Today we're starting this new worship series in which we will see Jesus describe and demonstrate to us the kind of church he wants. And so you might imagine that if Jesus is going to teach his disciples about church, then he would take them to church. And yet the very first words in the verses that are in front of us this morning, words that really introduce the entire section of Matthew that we'll be spending the next few weeks in, are these. Matthew tells us, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. So Jesus was already with his disciples up in the northern part of Israel, the part known as Galilee, far, far away from Jerusalem, where the temple and the religious establishment were located. But then in order to teach them these important lessons about church, Jesus goes even farther to the north. He goes into foreign territory. He goes into pagan territory. In order to teach his disciples about church, Jesus takes them as far away from church as he possibly can. And the reason was because the church in Jesus' day had so many problems with it. One of those problems is a problem that some might still consider to be a problem in Jesus' church. The problem that Christians and that churches are exclusive. So the problem that a church would somehow draw or set up lines or boundaries that not only divide people into insiders and outsiders, but perhaps even seem to stigmatize and shame those who are outsiders. And lines and boundaries that seem to maybe make it as difficult as possible for anyone who is an outsider to ever become an insider. It was a problem in Jesus' day, and it certainly is a problem in our day if a church is exclusive. And so maybe we might imagine that the solution that Jesus is going to point us to this morning is that Christians and churches need to be more... You know the word, right? That word inclusive 
gets emphasized and stressed so much in our day that it probably could have been, you probably could have predicted that it was the word that was going to come out of my mouth next. And yet that is not what Jesus wants to teach his church today. Jesus is going to point us to a much different solution to what was a problem in his day and what can still be a problem in our day. As we look at these verses from Matthew chapter 15 this morning, we're going to see that the cure for an excluding church is an extending church. The context that I mentioned for these verses is very important if we're going to understand them correctly. You see, the main character in these verses, other than Jesus himself, is a person who sort of seemed to check several of those boxes that very often can result in someone being excluded. This person was different from Jesus' disciples in just about every way imaginable. She was a woman. She was from the region of Tyre and Sidon, which means that she belonged to a different race, she belonged to a different culture, and she grew up surrounded by a different religion. And the way that Jesus treats this person who was different in every way imaginable, well, it seems a bit odd, to put it nicely. Offensive and chauvinistic and racist is the way that other people have described Jesus' behavior in these verses. And that might actually be true if we thought that what Jesus was doing was directed at this woman. If the things he was doing and the things he was saying were for her benefit. But they're not. They're for the benefit of these disciples that Jesus had taken all the way up into the region of Tyre and Sidon in order to teach them some very important lessons about the kind of church that he wants. So at first, this woman comes out from a surrounding town and she's crying to Jesus for help, probably still some distance off. And at first, Jesus just keeps right on walking, ignores her, acts as if she doesn't exist. And so the disciples do probably what your children might do if, if one of your children is misbehaving and you're sort of just ignoring it. Hello? What are you going to do about this? Aren't you going to respond? Aren't you going to do something, Jesus? And so then Jesus says to them, why would I do something? He responds to them by saying, I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. So why would I do something? You guys were the ones who were included in the blessings that God intended to bring by sending his Messiah into the world. This woman was not. Hmm. What are they supposed to make of that? Well, then eventually the woman comes all the way up to Jesus. She's down on the ground right at his feet, begging for help, making it impossible for Jesus to keep ignoring her. And so then Jesus says to her essentially the same thing that he had said to his disciples. He tells her that the lost sheep of Israel are sort of like children within a family who are sitting down at the family table for dinner. And so Jesus says it would be wrong to take the food that has been prepared and is intended for these children and instead just throw it on the floor. Throw it to the dogs who are hanging out around down by their feet. And so then, this woman says the very thing that Jesus had wanted his disciples to hear all along. 
Unfortunately, our translation sort of gives a little bit of the wrong impression. After she heard what Jesus said, the woman does not argue with Jesus. Instead, she actually agrees with Jesus. She says, yes, it would be wrong to take food that has been prepared and is intended for children and to just throw it straight onto the floor to the dogs. And here's why that would be wrong. Because if that food is placed on the table for those children where it was intended, it guarantees that some of that food is also going to fall to the ground and the dogs there on the floor will also benefit from it. Exactly the thing that Jesus wanted his disciples to hear. Like I said, it is very common in our world for this concept of being inclusive to be stressed and emphasized and encouraged. And yet, whether you realize it or not, when you hear that word inclusive, in your mind you are probably picturing something that looks a little bit like this. There it is. To include means to enclose someone or something within some sort of line or some sort of boundary. And so in the little picture on the screen, eight of those dots are included in the circle, and one of them is, of course, excluded. And yet, as much as people promote being inclusive, a person can actually make a pretty good case against it. Here's how. If that one dot that is currently excluded would suddenly be included within the circle, then suddenly whatever good thing is found in that circle, whatever privilege, whatever benefit was previously being shared by eight is now going to be shared by nine. In other words, everyone gets just a little bit less. This is why, for example, if you are getting ready to sign up your children for some winter basketball here with our local youth basketball club, you will find out that the club likes to limit the size of teams to nine, maybe ten players at the most. And there's a reason for that. It's because there are only so many minutes in a game. And so if a team suddenly has 27 players on it, it means less playing time and less reps in practice for everyone. Okay, so who's right? Which is it? Should more people enjoy less or should fewer people enjoy more? Well, today Jesus teaches us, with a little bit of help from this woman, to say neither one. To reject the choice entirely as one that we don't have to make when it comes to him. Jesus wants us to know that the blessings that he gives us in his kingdom are so abundant and so limitless that they get piled up higher and higher and higher on the table and so that even though they are intended first and foremost for the children sitting at the table, they also spill over and extend to those who are not. Jesus wants us to know that you don't have to be an insider to benefit from the blessings that he came to bring. He wants us to know that if you are an outsider, you don't have to somehow figure out how to become an insider before you can get a taste of those blessings. Instead, no matter how far a person is from God, Jesus figures out a way for some of his blessings to fall into their laps too. And so no, Jesus doesn't want us to be an exclusive church. 
But the cure for an excluding church is an extending church. And an extending church is one where the food just falls off of the table and onto the floor. So that's what the woman had said. Exactly what Jesus wanted those disciples to hear. And so Jesus responds the way that a teacher might typically respond when a student gives the exact correct answer in class. Jesus wants to praise her. He wants to give her an A+, a gold star, a perfect score on the quiz. And so he does just that. But praises her for what exactly? As I mentioned, this woman was different from Jesus' disciples in every way imaginable. And yet Jesus doesn't praise her simply for being different. Jesus also doesn't praise her because she somehow changed everything that was different about her to become more like one of Jesus' disciples. Instead, Jesus praises her by saying this. He says, Woman, you have great faith. So what defined this woman, what made her who she was, what made her worthy of praise from Jesus was not any sort of external characteristic about her that made her different. It wasn't the way that she had somehow changed all of her behavior to look and act more like one of Jesus' disciples. No, what defined her was her faith. What defined her was that she was grabbing on for dear life to God's love and his promises. And so again, as much as being inclusive is emphasized and promoted in our world, there's actually another case someone can make against inclusiveness if they really want to. So again, if you were to look at our, our little diagram, if that one dot that is currently excluded is suddenly going to be included, one of two things needs to happen. Either the dot has to change or the shape of the circle has to change. Again, we might sort of picture a, a basketball team. You know that here in Mount Horeb, the basketball team that we cheer for wears uniforms that are colored white and red. Let's say there's a, a new family that moves into town from nearby Verona, and there's a son in that family who is a really good basketball player, and he wants to be part of the team too. And yet over there in Verona, they wear uniforms that are orange and black. Well, if that new player coming to town is going to be included as part of the team, one of two things needs to happen. Either he needs to change or the team needs to change. And so which is it? Who's right? If someone wants to prove themselves worthy of receiving Jesus' blessings, do they need to change first? Or is the first thing that needs to happen that the church needs to change its shape and its entire character and its entire essence so that absolutely everyone can be included. Again, Jesus teaches us to say neither one. He teaches us to reject the choice entirely. In fact, Jesus teaches us not to view the essence of a church in these terms at all. A church is not formed when a group of people sort of look around the room at one another and say, well, what characteristics do we all share in common? And then we draw a line around ourselves based on those common shared characteristics. As a result, any time we would come into contact with someone who is different, who doesn't have those characteristics, either they would need to change or we would need to change. But Jesus tells us something completely different. 
He teaches us that a church, that its very definition, is a group of people that does not share some sort of external characteristic in common, but instead is a group of people, all of whom have faith in Jesus. All of whom who are holding on for dear life to God's love and his promises. In fact, as we heard today in today's second reading, Jesus came to take walls and lines and boundaries like that one and completely destroy them, completely tear them down. And as Paul told us in Ephesians 2, Jesus did that in a very specific way. He did that with his own body. In other words, he did that through his death on the cross. So if the cross is the shape that defines the church, let me ask this. Now what needs to happen in order for that person who is far from God to be reached? Well, unlike a circle, a cross can actually extend in whatever direction is needed, as far as is needed, and it still doesn't change its shape. It's still a cross. No, Jesus doesn't want his church to be exclusive, but again, the cure for an excluding church is an extending church. And an extending church is one where faith is the thing that Jesus praises. So when you go home from church today, what I don't want you to think to yourself is this. Pastor Bauer said it's bad to be inclusive today. Not at all. But what I do want you to say to yourself is this. The kind of church that Jesus wants is something far more than that. It's something far better than that. Being inclusive isn't a, a bad standard for human behavior. It's just insufficient. I mean, would we really think that the standard of human behavior that is set by the entire rest of the world would match up perfectly with the standard of behavior that God sets for us? No, God's standard is always going to be better. It's always going to be higher. Which means, of course, that it is a standard that we have fallen short of. You know, we live in a world where the lines that divide people seem to be getting thicker and deeper each and every day. And so as a result, it's very easy to sort of adopt a, a live and let live mentality toward the people that we come into contact with. You live your life the way you want to, I'll do the same with mine. You think the way that you want to think, I'll think the way I want to think. You raise your kids the way you want to raise yours, I'll raise mine the way I want to raise mine. And I suppose that's just fine in terms of the functioning of a civil society. But know this, that is not just fine when it comes to the kind of church that Jesus wants. In fact, I wonder how often Jesus would react toward us the way that the disciples maybe did when Jesus was ignoring that woman at first. Hello, I've put you right in contact with someone who, yes, is very different from you and, yes, seems very far from God. That's why I put you in contact with them. So why do you see so, seem so bound and determined to make sure that not even a single crumb of the blessings that you get to feast on each and every week doesn't fall to the floor where maybe they can get a little taste? 
Why do you think and act as though something about you made you worthy to get inside of the sphere of those blessings? Why do you even picture the shape of a church as if it's this circle that can only do one of two things, either include or exclude? Why don't you picture it in the shape of a cross that can extend however far is needed to reach anyone no matter where they're at? Friends, if you and I want to be the kind of church that Jesus wants us to be, it has to start with us realizing that the blessings of Jesus can and have extended as far as they need to extend to reach you and me. I mean, there was a time where there was a group of people who rightly could have considered themselves insiders, close to Jesus by right and close to Jesus by birth. But that is not you and me. Instead, Jesus has extended his blessings across entire centuries and across entire continents to be able to reach us. He has extended those blessings of love and forgiveness and salvation across that bottomless chasm of sin that would otherwise separate us from him. He has brought those blessings all the way to us. And so if Jesus has extended those blessings the literal and figurative, thousands and thousands of miles in order to be able to get them to you and me. Really, what's another six inches to be able to get them to that person he has brought us in contact with? So if someone is maybe wondering how Christians are supposed to act and how a church is supposed to work, and if they would happen to come to good news in order to have that question answered, Hopefully, they would find a church that is not exclusive, but also not a church that is simply and nothing more than inclusive. Hopefully, they would find a church that extends all of the blessings that God has delivered to us in Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, it means that that person wouldn't even need to come to good news in the first place in order to get a taste of God's blessings from us. Amen.